0: Your work week is over.
1: The plant called and said, if you don't come in tomorrow, don't
2: bother coming in Monday. woo Four-day weekend!
0: This
1: is The Last Word, the off-season home of the Colts, with Jeffrey Gorman and Matt Taylor. Hey, happy Friday night. Welcome in to The Last Word, the off-season Radio home of your Indianapolis Colts here in the home of the Colts. This is 93 5 5 The Fan. Thanks for giving us some of your time on a Friday night leading off your weekend. I'm Matt Taylor. No Gorman tonight. He is out and about. Casey Vallier's in. JJ Stangovitz from Colts.com along as well tonight. We're live at the Indiana Convention Center here at the Combine 2023. We're on Radio Row, 36th consecutive year. The city of Indianapolis has hosted the NFL Combine. Fellas, it was a busy week. Kind of dying down a little yep. bit here on this Friday, certainly as we get uh, closer and closer to the actual weekend. But the quarterback spoke today, KC. They're going to work out tomorrow night. I feel like just now, in some ways, the Combine is just starting. now kind of heating up and, and starting. It's, that's that's funny because most of the time, I feel like in years past, about this time, everybody
3: had already gone. It's almost like last night they kind of left. But all this intrigue at the top of the draft of the quarterbacks, people were, I mean, they were here this morning. Yeah. I got here at 7.30. Yeah. I couldn't even get near Bryce Young when he spoke at <laughs> 8 o'clock this morning. I was that far, like, late behind. to get, I mean, that's how yeah. much intrigue there is the top of this draft, for yeah. sure. I couldn't
2: evaluate Bryce Young's size because I was like 40 yards <laughs> right. from him, so he well, looked small he, to he looked me, small but that, that had nothing good. to do with how he actually big on, he is. On Twitter, he looked good. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the
1: way it goes? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so we're loaded up, as we always are here. The last word tonight, always brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Download the app today. Make every moment more. Coming up tonight, we're going to talk all about the Combine. We'll react to what Chris Ballard and Shane Steichen had to say. They met with the media, I think that was Wednesday, feels like three weeks ago, <laughs> considering all the stuff that we had going on here at the Combine this week. We'll also visit with NFL Draft Insider Jordan Reed, uh, who chatted with us earlier this week here at the Combine. We'll go over the quarterback class, so we're loaded up per usual, uh, but as we said, 36 consecutive year, Indianapolis, the host city. That's going to be the case next year as well. It's a two-year deal uh, between the NFL and the Circle City, and then after that, the rebid process will start all over again. JJ, I'll start with you though what were your big takeaways this week at the combine what did you learn overall about the quarterbacks just about the depth of the certain areas position wise of this draft as we're about six seven weeks away from the draft in late april
2: yeah matt having conversations with people you know for all the podcasts we've done for the colts audio network that you can check out there or just you know walking around the convention center or going out to dinner you learn that the quarterbacks this year it it is a good year to need a quarterback first and foremost, and that's where the Colts are right now, where these four quarterbacks who I think are at the top of everyone's boards, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, all have a lot of really good traits and and things that can be developed and none of them may be the, the you know like we were talking to Pat Kirwan yesterday he's not a fan of the quarterback he is not but he, he he's right about this that he said you know there's not a Joe Burrow in this class there's not an Andrew Luck but i think talking to so many other people uh, pat is definitely more of an outlier mm-hmm. on it and not yeah. like in the quarterbacks a he's lot of old other school. people he's right old school. a lot of these other people like the quarterbacks in this year's class and think there is a lot of potential the, the question then becomes, how are you going to develop them if you right. do wind up getting them? And we learned that from Shane Steichen on Wednesday a little bit. Mm. And that's exactly what I was going to say is, the things you've learned about the quarterbacks is there are four
3: quarterbacks, essentially, that are worthy of the top. And you could talk to four people and they have a different quarterback. That's right it. Top. That's yep. it right that's there. It, right that's right the there. thing yep. that I have learned. Especially, I mean, I would say that most people think Bryce Young is the best quarterback in the class. But there are so many questions about his height, size, and his durability be able to stay with that size, with his his frame, mm-hmm. to play an entire 17-game season. So they might think he's the best quarterback, but that brings him down on their list. And it's interesting because the Colts sit at four. There's four quarterbacks. You talk to four different people. They have one ranked higher. So when, when Chris Ballard makes comments about, I don't necessarily feel like you have to go up to get that guy, it's interesting because – the three, the three guys that go before whoever the Colts pick it for could be completely different from what the Colts view it. So that is one of the things that I have learned. I thought I would get a little bit more clarity, honestly, this week on the quarterbacks, and I left with more questions. One of the things I, I am interested with, I heard so much about Anthony Richardson and all of his potential that it's it's throwing the wrench in. Is, is he the second-best guy behind Bryce Young? Mm-hmm. Where is C.J. Stroud? It, it, it's... I almost have more questions now
1: (laughs) than I did before. Say, we talked to so many people, (laughs) and there are so many hot takes and opinions floating around in my head trying to prioritize and sort okay, who said what, <laughs> how much stock should I put into right. who, how much experience do you have, all of those things. Uh, but that's the beauty of, of the combine. That's the beauty of draft season. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. You talked about Chris Ballard and the speculation there and and the Chicago Bears this week and, and publicly saying, uh, we have faith, we have a lot of belief in Justin Fields. And so then the bells and the whistles and the alarms go off. <laughs> You know, we're up there in Chicago saying, <laughs> we're, really we're up for sale. Start calling us. You know, the phone lines are open. What can you offer us? What did you make? We're going to play the, the soundbite here in just a second, JJ. But those comments from Chris Ballard, yeah. not agreeing that the Colts have to move up to number one to grab a difference-making quarterback on the surface level. A lot of people here in Indianapolis, Colts fans, are freaking out. What did you make of, of those comments?
2: Here's what I made of what Chris Ballard said over the course of the probably 25 minutes he spoke on Wednesday. Uh, it was like a Rorschach test. Mm-hmm. If you came into it believing the Colts are going to trade up to number one, you could have come out of it being convinced they're going to do that. If you went into it believing the Colts are going to stay at number four, you came out of it believing yeah. they're going to do that. This is what Chris Ballard is so good at. Is he? He did not tip his hand. I, any anyone who I, I think says he tipped yeah, his what, hand he was probably already thinking the Colts are going to do that. Right. So what we learned is the process for when. A decision might be made on whether to stay at four or to move up in the draft. The Colts are not there yet. They are not at that point where anything is imminent or anything is close. And I mean, look, like Shane Steichen got in the building two weeks ago. Right. Shane Steichen barely has had time to like eat dinner, <laughs> let alone take a look at the film of these quarterbacks. So now, when you bring Shane in, who's going to be a big part of the process, this is when the Colts are really going to start evaluating the, you know, and, and really locking into that draft board. But that's going to happen over the next month or two, you know, uh, leading up to the draft. Like Chris Ballard said, the cement is never dry until draft day, and that's where the Colts are right now. And that's that's exactly right. With Shane Steichen just getting here, he's still – we haven't got
3: confirmation on the entirety of his staff yet. So, I mean, yeah. if you think about it from that way, I mean, some of these guys haven't even been in the building mm-hmm. to start looking at where these guys are lining up with what, you know, the scouts and everybody are looking at. So, mm-hmm. honestly, I mean, it's going to be collaborative. we got not, seven
1: weeks to go. You've
3: got seven weeks, and it's going to be essentially seven weeks of this. This is mm-hmm. what you're, you've got. You've got all of March and half of April to figure it out and that's why it is so imperative that you don't overreact you don't just listen to the outside noise and say yep we have to make a trade we have to do this right now it's it's one of those things that I'm sure there's a lot of people that they dislike the value of of what Chris Ballard does with the patience and kind of letting everything happen but that is so important right now because if you overreact and then you look at it and in in a month and a half you look and go we could have gotten our guy at four. We could have gotten our guy at seven, mm-hmm. and instead we traded all of this to go to one. One, we still you know, could have got him. It, that's the thing. Right. So it, it's yeah. some, one of those things where patience really is key because you got a lot of time. Sure. It's it's going to be it's going to be feel like a short time, but you got a lot of time to evaluate and you got to make sure you make yeah. the right decision.
1: No, it all depends on the Colts' evaluation, which we're not going to know the answer to that until late April. Again, here's Chris Ballard on not necessarily buying in the Colts have to move up to number one to grab their top quarterback to move up you there's got to be a guy worthy of it okay I know everybody in the in America is going to say like this is what's great right now everybody has just automatically stamped that you've got to move up to one to get it right I, I don't know if I agree with that I don't and but that's going to be the narrative. And that's okay. Y'all got to write something. You got to keep the news flowing. So, but I don't necessarily know if that's the, I don't know if that's the the right course of business. If when we meet as a staff and we say, okay, this is what we need to do. This is the guy for the next 10 to 15 years. And we think he's the right guy.
2: Sure. We'll do it. But... Who's to say we won't get one at four?
1: Yeah, that's Chris Ballard. That was from earlier this week on, not on Radio Row, but just over the curtain, if you will, uh, the press conference area here in the uh, Indiana Convention Center. We're on Radio Row tonight with uh, Casey Vallier. I'm Matt Taylor. J.J. Stangevitz, no Jeffrey Gorman tonight. This is the last word. here on 93.5 and 107.5. The fan, head coach Shane Steichen, also met with the media this week. And he talked about the process of trying to project what quarterback prospects can turn turn into NFL franchise quarterbacks at the next level? Here's Shane Steichen on that.
2: That's a great question. I think you got to see the future. I mean, that's sometimes that's probably one of the hardest jobs is predict the future of these young guys. But what can they be, what their capabilities are? I think all these guys in this draft have talent. Um, and then how do you elevate their talent, you know, as coaches and putting them in position to succeed? But that's a great question. Um, again, as coaches, we got to do a hell of a job of evaluating that and seeing what they could be.
1: So there you go. That's the new head coach of the Colts. J.J., what, what are the Colts going through this week as they try to vet these quarterbacks, get enough intel on them as much as they can with the on-field workouts, the 15-minute in-person, behind-closed-door meetings? What, what can they actually gleam from these quarterbacks this week at the Combine as it relates to the big puzzle of putting together your draft board?
2: Yeah, I think you know the first point is the medical for all these guys, just making sure that everything is is set there and you don't have any red flags that may pop up during the medical testing on these guys. Because, look, if you're staking your franchise to one of these guys, you need to be absolutely right. sure of everything you possibly can be, and that's the big piece of it this week. But, you know, just having the conversations, maybe it's not directly with the quarterbacks. Obviously, those are are very important, but maybe it's, hey, you pull in a, a, a guy who played with this, other quarterback, and all of a sudden you start talking about something and you learn a little bit about what makes Anthony Richardson or Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, or whoever, tick. And those little bits of evaluation and those Mm -hmm. little bits of information are incredibly important, and when you have everyone together in a setting like this at the NFL Combine, there is a lot of information you can get directly or indirectly about these quarterbacks. And that's key. I mean,
3: you want to be able to find out everything you possibly can about these guys because – ultimately let's say you take a quarterback this could impact the franchise for the next decade plus so that is a big big decision you're going to make you want to know everything you can about these guys i mean it, you you may talk to people you never thought you would ever talk to about an individual because you just want to know mm-hmm. and that's where this time is hard i mean we talk about you have a month and a half but ultimately that's all you have. Mm-hmm. You have a month and a half to make a decision that is that large. So it is a very important time, and I'm sure it's one of those where, you know, front office staff, coaches, scouts, GM, they, I don't know how much sleep they get at this time, and I'm sure. No,
2: I can, I can attest because I made the poor decision to, to go out with some friends uh, in the media on Wednesday night. And I was out way too late. I'm not going to say how late I was out, but the party was just getting started. The, the witching hour. The, the party was just getting started uh, after midnight when I was <laughs> yeah. still out. And, you know, you you walk in a hotel lobby, and here comes a head coach walking this way. There's an offensive coordinator. There's an agent. Right. There's Von Miller at the bar. I mean, it was, it was a wild experience.
1: And, you know, we're going to talk. I mean, guys are going to talk to C.J. Stroud's barber back right. in the day. Right, 100%. We're going to look up Bryce Young's Little League coach. I mean, and that's looking- how big this goes or how deep right. it goes, right, in I mean, trying to evaluate these things and get enough intel on these guys with the magnitude of the decision. One thing we do know, J.J., is that Chris Ballard's not going to put a whole lot of stock and a lot of emphasis on the on-field workouts this yeah. week for the quarterbacks.
2: Yeah, I mean, he said the, the you can learn what you need to learn from the film. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you don't need to and see that, it on the field. And that
1: goes back two, three years right. for some yeah. of these guys. Well, and you're watching these guys in person as you're sending scouts. Right. You know, you're watching Will Levis not only in 2022, but in 2021. Right.
2: In you, person, what, Something Chris Ballard said that's really important is you work about a year ahead mm-hmm. on the quarterback. So, you know, you in, in 2022, yeah, you might have seen these guys, but you probably saw them in 2021 live and in person as well. I think for someone like Shane Steichen, it might make a little bit more of a difference to see him live just because he's a coach. He, he, <laughs> yeah. he hasn't gone and he's seen these guys these play trips. live. Yeah. So when he sees how the ball comes out of these guys' hands in the live on-field workouts, that will be a bit of a, an important part of the evaluation. But it's not the end-all, be-all. He said, you know, like Bryce Young isn't throwing on Saturday. But he, he said, that's not going to take him off our board. That's not going to ding him. You know, right. it's it's just a very small little piece of the evaluation.
1: Also, Shane Steichen, Chris Ballard, they confirmed this week some changes along the coaching staff when they met with the media here at the Combine. First, Gus Bradley and his defensive staff, they're coming back indeed being retained for 2023 after putting up some good numbers for most of the season last year. Casey, for you, how important was it that Bradley comes back? You got some continuity there, but Gus Bradley's been a head coach in the NFL before.
3: 100%. And also, he's got that relationship with Shane Steichen. So you you. Mm-hmm. the continuity part into it and there is continuity there between he and Steichen so it's it's one of those things that I think we would all agree the defense wasn't a top five top 10 defense but it was definitely a playoff caliber defense so being able to keep that core together you know the focus was going to be offense that's what we had heard for you know you saw the changes prior to the season it's you knew that was to be expected so leaving that intact and kind of just fine, too, that makes
1: total sense to yeah. me. Elsewhere, Chris Ballard acknowledged that Tony Sperano, Jr., we all know that name, Yeah. taken over as the offensive line coach, been in the NFL as a coach since 2011, spent last season as the assistant line coach for the Giants, had the same position with the Panthers the year before, the son of former NFL head coach Tony Sperano. So that's why it sounds familiar to you. You like this hire.
2: I do, and, and I was talking about this with someone here this week about how the, the Colts went and they hired the New York Giants assistant offensive line coach and the New York Giants running backs yep. coach. So that tells you those two guys together probably are going to bring some elements in the New York Giants' run game, which was very conducive to Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones. And Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. You have a guy, in, you know, Jonathan Taylor, who is a, a very good one-to-one comparison for Saquon Barkley. They're both extremely talented running backs who, when they're at their peak, are the best running backs in the NFL. And I I was talking about this with someone who said that just shows Shane Steichen's scheme flexibility, that he's not necessarily coming in and saying, we're running it the way that we ran it in Philly because I saw it work. It's, hey, you know, these guys probably have some interesting ideas Mm -hmm. about about some run concepts that they can provide. And I want to go get them. I want to go hire them. I love that about this coaching staff, that it's not just a bunch of guys who Shane Steichen is friends with. You know, he has a relationship with Jim Bob Cooter coming in, but no prior relationship with Tom Manning none with Tony Sperano Jr., none with DeAndre Smith. Mm-hmm. so and, and none with Reggie Wayne, by the way, who we're going to get to in a second. Yes, um, I like that. That's kind of how the New York Giants built out their coaching staff last year, where Brian Daybolt didn't have a relationship with right. Mike Kafka, but brought him in because he thought he had some good ideas, and their, their offense was great last year. Yeah. So I, I like that, that, that Shane Steichen is showing that scheme flexibility that I think is such an asset that he's going to bring to this Colts yeah. offense. And that's
1: what he showed with the quarterbacks, right? I mean, that's not news around here. Right. His flexibility, scheme Wise passing, rushing, getting the most out of the quarterbacks. There's no question about that. You talked about Reggie Wayne. He announced on Twitter this week. He yep. kind of broke his own news, sure which that should always be the case that he's coming back. But then, of course, Shane Steichen acknowledged that and confirmed that earlier this week here at the combine. Casey, are you surprised that that Reg is coming back considering last year? came in thinking he was going to work with Frank, but but he's coming back, which proves that he liked it and enjoyed it and is gravitating more towards being a coach.
3: I'm shocked just by, I mean, I, I would say it was right around camp last year. He had already talked about how man, this coaching thing, it's, you come in when it's dark and you leave when yeah, it's you dark. You don't see the sun. You don't see the sun. He's a guy who's he talks used about to the beach warmth. He lot. wants to be on the beach. Right. It's cold up here. So in that aspect, I am a little surprised, but it's one of those things I think Reggie Wayne's going to have a job here as long as he wants it and mm-hmm. you see the way the wide receivers gravitated towards him the, the impact that he mm-hmm. had I do think it resonated and that is one of the reasons I think ultimately he is back because he probably saw that he saw that hey they're actually listening to my voice yeah. and, and if they're I, getting better and they're yeah. getting better if I can help out anybody that's Reggie you know this if he can help anybody get better this much he's going to do it
2: and that's the thing that I think you see I mean Reggie Reggie has a job at the Colts not just because and not, not because, frankly, his name is up in the stadium, but because he's a really good coach. 100%. I think that's the thing we learned about Reggie Wayne this year is that he's a really good coach. He can grow. And and the work that he did with Alec Pierce, you know, I remember talking to Alec during the season about just the things he's picked up from Reggie. And, you know, Reggie doesn't put his film on. Reggie doesn't say, this is how I did it. Go do it right. my way. Mm-hmm. He He really teaches these guys and emphasizes certain things where he can lend his expertise. And it's not because... I'm a 14,000-yard receiver who should have a gold jacket by now, which is ridiculous that he doesn't, but because – I have a deep investment in teaching these guys some things and helping them learn and grow.
1: There you go. Good stuff so far on Radio Row here at the Combine. That's J.J. Stangevitz, Casey Valliers along as well. I'm Matt Taylor filling in for Jeffrey Gorman tonight. This is the last word of the offseason home of the Colts. We're just getting started. Loaded up with you until 7 o'clock tonight. When we come back, we're going to go more in-depth on the draft in this quarterback class, break down some strengths and weaknesses of the top gunslingers here in 2023. We'll do that with Jordan. Jordan Reed, NFL Draft Insider from ESPN and ESPN.com. Jordan Reed joins us on the other side when we come back. This is the last word on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Welcome back. Off season radio home of the Indianapolis Colts from the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio. This is The Last Words, the off season radio home of the Indianapolis Colts with you every Friday night. You're on the home of the Colts, 93.5, 5 The fan. I'm Matt Taylor on Radio Row here at the Combine. Joined alongside Casey Vallier, JJ Stangovitz from Colts.com. No Gorman tonight. Do we know where Jeffrey is? He's got to uh, be. Got to be uh, in Vegas. Vegas. Right? Uh, Jim think, yeah, collection. Yeah, yeah, Colosser, Vegas. Yeah. Vegas <laughs> collection this weekend. Yeah, they got the big show coming out or going out uh, right now in Las Vegas. Check that out if you can. If you're looking for a late excursion, hey, head out west with awesome, Las Vegas. It's an awesome event. If it you're really is. To this in Las Vegas. It really get out is. There. And there's going to be more events across the country dates tbd if you will here in the uh, the springtime and summertime the jim ursay collection tom petty by the way brought us back in with i need to know because everybody needs to know what's going on with the quarterbacks what's going on with the speculation with the Colts sitting at number four are they going to be able to get the quarterback that they like casey valier how, how many people would you suggest were in front of cj stroud and bryce young <laughs> earlier today
3: oh boy i mean i
1: I, I and that happened I, early. It I, happened around seven fifty eight o'clock this morning.
3: I would say they got there about seven fifteen or earlier. I mean, I like I said, I got there at seven thirty, and I was way back. I would say at least one hundred and fifty. You ever been to one of
2: those concerts where you got the headliner that's playing at eight a.m. or like eight p.m. and
1: ga tickets? Yeah,
2: right, people, room people only. show up at seven a.m. Yeah, that's so. how I. I just figure someone <laughs> just like slept here last <laughs> night to get first in line well, for Bryce Young. So it, I
3: took a picture and and I was showing Matt and, and George Brimmer, who covers the Colts and Anderson. He was front row. And Matt goes, what, did George get here? 4 <laughs> yeah. o'clock or did he just not and leave? And he drove from Anderson, right, drove which from Anderson. Means he got he up at 3 o'clock. From yesterday. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's good stuff, man. This is the last word. We're brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Download the app today. Make every moment more. As promised, we're going to talk draft right now. Go more in-depth on these quarterbacks. Earlier this week, myself and Casey Vallier, we talked with Jordan Reed. He's an NFL draft insider from ESPN. We got his feelings on the quarterback class and which of these gunslingers he's most bullish on when it comes to the potential of being franchise quarterbacks at the next level in the NFL?
0: So, I mean, you're going to hear about the top four guys, and I'll just start with Bryce Young of Alabama, the player that I like the most at the position, but the one knock that you're going to repeatedly hear about him is the size. We'll see what he does end up measuring at. I think the quarterbacks are doing measurements on Saturday morning this year, which is a little bit different. So we'll see what he does end up measuring at, but with him, as far as just playing the position, he has everything that you want, the, the moxie, The mentality that he plays with, the killer instinct, the poise, he plays with the same heartbeat no matter the moment of the game, but it's just the size. You just have to be comfortable with him being an outlier. This is just something that we haven't seen before, and if I had to guess, he's probably 5'10.5", 195 pounds. As long as he hits that threshold, I think he'll be okay as far as going early, uh, as far as the top five, but we'll see what he does. Now, with that, does it matter? I mean, I want to know how much
3: that measurement here matters because more than likely that's not what he's going to be playing at. You kind of want to look at what that tape is. So so how much – I mean, I know it's impossible to to know what every GM is looking Mm -hmm. for and what you know everybody has their thresholds, but how much does that matter? How much will that matter what he
0: weighs in here as compared to what he even does at his pro day? It's really a team-by-team basis just because there's some guys that like those bigger statured guys just because they like to involve the quarterback in the design quarterback run game  – and Bryce just doesn't have the body to consistently hold up to that type of playing style. Right. And you see younger guys like Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts, these guys that are involved in that quarterback design running game. That's just not really Bryce's game. Now, Bryce is a – I wouldn't say really good athlete. I think he's probably a B-level athlete. He, uh, he's able to get himself out of harm's way. He's not a statue back there by any stretch of the imagination. But you don't want to consistently involve him as far as taking hits. As being a plus one in the running game. But like I said, as far as playing the position, he has everything that you want. It's just the size.
3: Now, I know with that, it's hard to say what it's going to do for the future. But a guy like Bryce Young, never seen, you know, 5'10, 185, whatever it is he's going to measure at, is this something that if he can prove that mm-hmm. he can make it, what is that going to do? For that position for the next yeah. decade well we've seen it already I mean Kyler Murray right I mean it. it seems like there's always yeah. exceptions but yeah.
0: you're kind of getting lower and lower on those yeah. ex- so what is that going to do it will, it'll be huge just because I think size is something that evaluators have gotten a little bit more passive about especially seeing guys like Drew Brees and Russell Wilson and being successful and now with Kyler Murray um, I think it's going to help Bryce but like I said it's just everybody has their different thresholds right. So this is going to be a team by team basis. Yeah,
1: you know, put your GM hat on. I mean, Chris Ballard spoke earlier this week saying, you know, I don't know if we have to go from 4 to 1 to get yeah. a difference maker. But if you make that move from 4 to 1, the guy you you have to be so sure on. You have to be so yep. convicted on. There can't be a shadow of a doubt that this is your franchise quarterback cuz we all know what happens if you get it wrong. So for you do you have a player that you're so convicted about? Like, if you're right. if you're a general manager, is there a player in this
0: bunch that you're just so convinced is going to have a good pro career? Stroud would be that one. He would be the one that I would be most comfortable with just because he has the size that you're looking for. You know he's going to be able to step in from day one and be able to contribute. He's extremely smart, and then he's just so polished. And... Just to paint a picture, I like using cross-sport analogies. So with CJ, he's like an ace pitcher on opening day. He's just so smooth. Okay. Um, he's just a natural at the position. He's so polished as far as read, see and react and everything. Right. And then he doesn't have a super strong arm, but he has enough to push the ball down the field. So Stroud would be the one that I'm most comfortable with that doesn't have a bunch of flaws.
1: Yeah, talking with folks here, the the comparison on, on C.J. Stroud in the, in the league right now is Jared Goff. Yeah. Do you see that? Because, I mean, a lot of – when people hear that, it, it doesn't – depending on who you are, it doesn't get a lot of people fired right. up.
0: Right. I mean – it's not going to get a lot of people fired up, but Jared Goff went to a Super Bowl. Right. right, He was very successful for Detroit last year. And I think especially in a class where nobody instantly loves a quarterback, I think you're going to be more safe with the floor of these quarterbacks. And I think C.J. has the highest floor. He may not have the highest ceiling, but as far as being able to come in and contribute right away, as long as you have a good offensive line, a run game and weapons around him, I think C.J. So you're be saying he has player. the
1: highest baseline
0: Absolutely. As a as, as right contributing, if in. they had to step on the field tomorrow, mm-hmm. I think C.J. would be your best bet.
3: Now, when you talk about high, highest ceiling, I think we all know who that guy is with Anthony Richardson. Yeah. I mean, the guy seems like just a freak athletically. He's got the size, got the arm mm-hmm. strength. It seems like beauty is in the eye of the beholder. That it seems like one of the things we've heard all week. Yeah. When you're looking at this and you've got, I would say, the other two guys, Will Levis and, and Anthony Richardson, mm-hmm. where are they on your comparison? And, and where is the gap between
0: those two guys? Because mm-hmm. I think we know where it is between those guys and Stroud and Young. So I put Anthony Richardson as my third quarterback in – September and everybody was like whoa like what are you doing this <laughs> okay. was when Hendon Hooker was making his high yeah. ascension mm-hmm. and everything like that but the best way that I can describe it is that there's so many different layers to his evaluation and I'll go all the way back to last year so last year he rotated time with Emory Jones who ended up transferring to Cincinnati those two guys had no idea who was going to take the snaps the next series of the game so I don't even count okay that past season as far as him starting last year was his first year starting to me And they didn't let him do a whole bunch as far as the offensive scheme just because everything was pistol, play-action faker, booting to his left and coming back to the right. So what we have to figure out is the why behind that. Why didn't they let him do more? And everybody looks on paper at the 53% completion percentage, but a lot of it is just footwork with him, which is you have to trust your coach And coming through the door. We see he has the bazooka arm strength. Right. He's not very accurate right now, but a lot of that is centered around his footwork. But as far as being able to see the field, the dissecting coverages, and then being decisive as far as knowing where to go with the football, he has that. But once again, it revolves back to the accuracy standpoint. He has to get better with his footwork. Now, I'll say this. The tricky part about his evaluation is that everybody wants to use the Patrick Mahomes blueprint of where you want him to sit for a year, you want a seasoned veteran, but the only way Anthony is going to get better and work through these flaws is to play. That's the tricky part about his evaluation.
3: And and that's one of the things, I mean, In the NFL, there's really no patience. Exactly. It's it's really, really difficult. Now, one of the things the Colts did, they have a new coach in Shane Steichen who's got, you know, a, a wide range of quarterbacks that he has had time with. And one of the things that he mentioned, how he thinks in the NFL, accuracy numbers, they can definitely increase. That's one way you can improve that. So from a national perspective, a guy who has worked with a handful of different quarterbacks, is that a guy that you can see a Shane Steichen and a Chris Ballard kind of taking yeah, a chance on because absolutely. of the high ceiling? You get this huge boom, and you got a guy who's already worked with a handful of different quarterbacks.
0: Absolutely, and it goes back to the ceiling or the floor discussion. And if I'm Shane Steichen, I have to look to the future. I have to beat Patrick Mahomes. I have yeah. to go through Justin Herbert. I have to beat Joe Burrow. So is a guy like C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young or Will Levis going to give me that opportunity to do that, or do I want to trust my coaching? and coach up this freak athlete that I think can step on the field tomorrow and do exactly what Justin Fields did as a runner last year. I think he's going to be him, Lamar Jackson, and Justin Fields as far as the top three runners in the NFL right away. But you have to trust your coaching and quarterback developing to get that side of the game to catch up. But what I always say about these mobile quarterbacks is that it's great to have mobility, and that's why the game is catering towards them just because they can use that as a kickstand while the mental part of the game catches right. up yeah. to the mobile side. So if you take Anthony, you have to trust your coaching to coach up that footwork, coach up that decisive playmaking, mm-hmm. and then just galvanize it around the athleticism that he has.
1: That's Jordan Reed, NFL Draft Insider for ESPN. Generally speaking, where are you with playing a rookie quarterback right out of the gate, especially if you're going to pick that guy in the yeah. top
0: 15? I always like having a veteran in the room just so you can use him as a bridge. The worst thing that can happen is that guy plays the entire year, that guy sits the whole year, and then you start him in year two. So I I always think it's great to have a veteran in the room just because these guys have no idea how to be a pro. They don't know how to prepare. They don't know how to study. They don't know how to watch film. They don't know what they're looking at from an NFL perspective. So I always say if you're a team thinking about drafting a quarterback – Go sign a ten plus year veteran just because that knowledge is so great for them, just because yeah. they don't know. They say they know, they went through it in college, right. but they don't know. Now I know this is something that's gonna
3: continue to grow. We we saw the Jalen Carter news yesterday. Yeah. When you look at that from the top end of this draft, it was kind of you got the quarterbacks and then you got Will Anderson and Jalen Carter. Now kind of, Jalen, I'm not sure what's going to happen there, but how do you think that's going to shake up the top of the draft with teams that don't need a quarterback and these other teams that might say, hey, yeah. you know, we might need to jump up and get a quarterback because that's where the, the deepest part of this is.
0: I, I think it makes the Bears think twice about trading back just because, and I said this, I think the sweet spot for them to trade back was for f- the Colts, right. just because I think Houston's going to take a quarterback, so you guarantee yourself one of Will Anderson or Jalen Carter at that fourth spot for the Bears. So it throws a wrench in a lot of things right now, and, you know, I can't speak on his legal situation. Right. I don't know what's going on with that, so I can't give more details about that. So we'll see what does happen with you. So that. that news is not good for the Colts then? No, it's not, yeah. just because I think the, the natural marriage – with the Colts was to trade up with the Bears and if I had to pick one team that would trade up to one it would be the Colts that was my vote just because Poles and Chris Ballard they worked together in Kansas City and then also I think the Bears wanted to trade back and feel comfortable a spot of getting Will Anderson Mm -hmm. or Jalen Carter and then also I'll say this I think Jim Irsay wants his pick of the litter just because he saw what Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning did for him at one overall so he wants to say, hey, Chris, let's just go up. We're tired of the veteran retreads. Let's just go get our guy. Go get your top-ranked guy on the board. Yeah. Now,
3: I want to I want to dive real quickly outside of quarterbacks just because when you, when you draft a guy, you need weapons around him. When you look at position groups, whether that be running back, wide receiver, tight end, where do you think the most value is in this draft? Because it seems like the last handful, it's been wide receiver heavy. Yeah. This year, it seems like maybe they're a little down, not necessarily a a worse group, just not nearly
0: as heavy at the top. Yeah, so we've been really spoiled with really good wide receiver classes yeah. over the past few years. We've seen guys go top five, top ten like Jamar Chase and a great class last year with Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and Jamison Williams going at the top, and Drake London too. All those guys going inside the top 12. Now, there isn't that type of guy. There isn't that bona fide wide receiver one that you know is going to be a superstar uh-huh. walking through the door. But if you're looking for a bunch of complimentary second wide receivers that eventually possibly could be that number one, this is the draft class for that so I think I don't know if we're going to see one go inside of the top twelve, but inside of the top fifteen, I think that's where the run could start. And then also tight end, I think tight end is the deepest position group of any really? in this class. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think we could see as many as six or seven go inside of the top two rounds. How many wow. are How many are true able to block tight ends? So Darnell Washington, I think he's the best blocker of the group just because how he was utilized at Georgia. Dalton Kincaid is not. Luke Musgrave can yeah. spurts. spurts. Um, outside of that, Tucker Craft, I think he's a little bit more versatile.
1: How many, how many teams prioritize that still? Really make that an it, emphasis. It really
0: just depends just because you're going to roster two to three tight ends, so it's kind of like yeah. we're going to use them kind of like a basketball team. You have your blocker. You have your pass catcher, and then you have your third one, which can do a little bit of both. So right. you really want to package all those guys together, and it really just depends on what you have on the roster. Like for the Colts, they have somebody like a Jelani Woods who can block and then also be a pass catcher too. So now you can afford to take that guy who you want as an inline blocker, or you can get your true what I like to call F-tight end that yeah. you can move around a little bit.
1: Going back to last year's draft, remember the name Andrew Ogletree? Oh, out of Youngstown State. I absolutely. mean, a, a, just a terrible thing for him, tearing yeah. his ACL yeah. uh, there in training camp when he was just really on the come and the ascend. And it yeah. looked like he was actually ahead at the time yeah. of Jelani Woods in terms of mm-hmm. progress and adaptation to the NFL.
0: How much translation do you still think he has to the NFL, coming I think, from a small school? Yeah, that's the tough part, especially when you're talking about small school guys. The the level of competition, is a big jump for them. So it's kind of like, whoa, it's much faster than what I'm accustomed to seeing. So, But as he gains reps, as he gets healthy, I think he'll continue to get better. All right, for you, take me back to
1: last year. How, how much college football do you consume during the fall?
0: So – during the season, I'm actually on the road every okay. weekend. I'm live scouting. So yep. I mainly stay in the southeast okay. for the most part. So I'm in, I'm based in Charlotte. So I'm going from SEC games to <laughs> ACC games. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to back and forth. So that's what I do during the year. Uh-huh. And then during the week, I'll get the coaches film. Of all the games, I'll have guys by position that I'll, that I'll go through and I'll write up. And then I'll just do that pretty much. From August all the way through December, so that's what yeah. the back end of the year <laughs> consists of me. But the live scouting is so much fun, just getting being able to experience different stadiums around the country. Like I was at Alabama, Tennessee yeah. when that oh, game man. happened this year. It wow, just being able to experience things like that, seeing guys up close. Is, I'm living the dream, man. That's yeah. the, that's the great part about this job, seeing guys up close, and then just seeing them transformed from August now here to the Combine.
1: And I always heard, like, when you watch film, and when that's your job, when that's Mm -hmm. your livelihood, when you watch film, you can watch it start to finish, yeah. rewind it, you know, watch the play several mm-hmm. times, and then come back five days later, watch the same film, and you see something different,
0: yeah, right? That's, or that's, you see, it, you see yeah. it from a different
1: perspective.
0: Yeah, that's the best part about this job. We're all watching the same thing, but we have a million different opinions. <laughs> <Yeah. And laughs> the truth? I always compare scouting to buying a car. So August through December, you're seeing the exterior of the car. Uh-huh. And you can go back, you can look online, you can scroll all the pictures, but now the combine and then eventually to the draft, you're going to the dealership. You're seeing the interior of the car. You're lifting the hood up. You're seeing the engine, just the mental makeup of, the, of these guys, and then also the athleticism. So yeah. it's kind of like buying and investing in a car. And
1: then you see that coffee stain on the exactly. front seat. Like exactly. how did, wait a minute, how the did le- that the get leather, there? The, leather, or, the yeah. leather's a little bit ripped <laughs> on the <laughs> they, console. Or they put like a little napkin over that <laughs> right, in the picture, yeah. and then you're like, you know, wait a minute, how did that get there, right? Yeah. I love it, man. Well, thank you so much for your time. We always enjoy talking with you. This is one of our favorite stops here at the Combine. Best of luck with everything, and uh, enjoy
0: the rest of your stay here in Indy. Absolutely. Thank you, guys, as always.
1: Fantastic conversation right there. Again, that's Jordan Reed from ESPN, one of the best here on Radio Row, talking up the draft. He's at the Combine every year. You can check him out. And the rest of our guests this week on the Colts Audio Network, he closed down. I love that. That analogy the, that he uses—it makes perfect sense are, totally. when you think about it. I mean, how many times do we thumb through pictures online of a house or a car? We're all guilty of buying something stupid on Amazon, one hundred percent. And we don't really fully understand the dimensions of it. Like, <laughs> and then we <laughs> get it in the mail; it's either too small or right. too big. That's what this combine is for—to make sure we figure out what's real and what's not. Some shiny object is exactly what we think it is. I
3: mean, we've all—I mean, I know that we, I'm guilty of this. We we use fa- my, my wife and I use Facebook Marketplace. Place to sell a bunch of things, <laughs> and you make sure you take pictures of the good side of things so that you can maybe yeah. put an put extra scuff, five or ten dollars in the back. it's yeah. right, and then and then whenever you show it to them, you just make sure you slide it or whatever. you know you try. It. That's just what happens, and that's exactly I loved his analogy yeah.
1: because that's exactly what it is. What's your handle on Facebook Marketplace to I, so I know to well, avoid
3: uh, my wife's handle. That's probably if you Get see mine, here. definitely avoid it. Kenzie's more you know she it's probably better stuff. you are saying I'm this, this live on the radio. Yeah. Hey, you're losing don't, your family. Money Trust right now.
1: anything that I sell. What are you, you doing?
3: If you see how much stuff I've actually sold, it's really, I'm probably helping <laughs> ourselves instead of so losing What,
1: what are we money. talking about right now? I mean, we'd like forks? Oh, you no, know, you know,
3: like, like if, I'm not buying a used fork. Yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, used
1: forks. I mean, like, what are you trying to pawn off on people? When here? Our Silverware,
3: went, napkins, what are we doing? Our ki- my kids went from a twin bed to a full bed, and we sold their beds. <laughs> they might have a couple nicks, because uh, if I'm putting something together, it's not going to be put together correctly. It's also missing, like, five. screws. exactly, (laughs) especially when I take it apart too, so that's why. When I sell that kind of stuff, it's not the analogy that Jordan Reed was going. (laughs) No, No, it wasn't. You're right. We're way off,
1: way off base. But you can check out Jordan Reed and the rest of our guests. I mean, good gosh, we were loaded up this week. We had Dane Brugler from The Athletic. We had Mike Tannenbaum, Dan Graziano from ESPN, Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl. Uh, We spoke with Charles Davis, Mark Ross, Cynthia Freeland from NFL Network, all the voices from around the AFC South and many more, so check all of that out. Also, our Free Agent Tracker podcast series, that continued this week. We examined the free agent profiles of Brandon Faison and Rodney McLeod. We also talked about Matt Hawk and Chase McLaughlin on the special team side of things, so... Again, that is all available for you right now. Check it out. Colts.com, the Colts mobile app, and of course, the Colts Audio Network, anywhere you download your podcast. This is The Last Word brought to you by FanDuel and FanDuel Sportsbook. Download the app today. Make every moment more. We're on Radio Row. J.J. Stankovitz, Casey Vallier, I'm Matt Taylor. Filling in for Jeffrey Gorman tonight. He's out and about. When we come back, we're back for one final time. We'll give you the Forum Credit Union question of the week, and we'll also discuss Shane Steichen, maybe not being able to employ one of his favorite plays in his arsenal. That's the third down, the fourth down uh, rugby-style play with the quarterback sneak. That's under scrutiny this week here at the Combine. So we'll talk about that when we come back for the final time with you until 7 o'clock tonight on The Last Word. We're back in a moment here on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Dom, dom, We now return to the off-season radio home of the Indianapolis Colts. The last word from the Indiana
0: Union Construction Industry Radio Studio.
1: We're back for the final time here on Radio Row, here on the fan, 93.5, 107.5. This is the last word, the offseason home of the Colts. We're on Radio Row here at the Combine with Casey Vallier. I'm Matt Taylor, J.J. Stankovic along for the journey as well tonight. No Jeffrey Gorman, Otis Redding bringing us back in right there. That's the happy song. Hope you're having a happy Friday night, happy weekend. Leading into what what hopefully is a weather-wise, you know, something that dries up a little bit. Because, my gosh, it's been raining now. It has been. I feel like this is that, that, that scene from Forrest Gump. You know, rain is coming in <laughs> sideways,
2: up, down. Hardest working thing in Indianapolis Brutal. right now is my sump pump.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Listen, (laughs) it's real right now. It's real. Hopefully that basement stays dry for sure. All right, we're uh, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Download the app today. Of course, make every moment more. It's time now, fellas, for the Forum Credit Union question of the week. So the Combine's in town. And if you're on Radio Row, I know this is a, a audio medium, but earlier this week, every team is here. Every team's got their digital department. We're, they're doing radio shows and podcasts just like we are. So it's kind of like the United Nations of yeah. the NFL. You see all the flags and all the banners okay. up. So it's kind of cool. So it, it got me thinking, of all the teams in the NFL, how many teams in the league have never appeared in a Super Bowl, that's the Forum Credit Union question hmm. of the week. Thirty-two teams. How many have never even appeared in the big game?
3: Well, I think. I think I actually know this one. I think that two of them are in our division. I think uh, the the Jaguars. That would be correct. And the Texans. Correct. Yep. Yeah, uh, the Detroit Lions. The Lions. They won I know, I know that NFL from covering the NFL championship, and they're still
1: here. They're right over there. If you want to go talk some smack, let them know. <laughs> just in case they forgot. Oh, maybe I don't. You said it was four, so we four. More. Well, it's yeah. got to be.
2: It's got to be a recent expansion team, probably. Uh,
1: okay, yes, yes, and no. I would think yes and no. There, is, it, here, is,
2: it, is it the Browns? There's your hint. Yes, okay. it's the Cleveland yeah, Browns,
1: right? So yes and no on okay. that. So you've got the Browns the lions the texans and the jaguars now eight have played in the super bowl but have never won it those teams would be the vikings they lost in the super bowl four times oh man the bills of course four times we know all about that the Bengals twice carolina twice the falcons have lost it twice Los Angeles Chargers lost it once. That was the Steve Young 49er big game against the Chargers. The Titans lost it once. That was that excruciating loss to who they lose to. The Rams. 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 He was so
2: So close there at the end. And then the
1: Arizona Cardinals lost, if I remember correctly, to to the the Steelers. Steelers. Yeah. Yeah. That was the, uh,
2: who was it, Santonio Holmes? Had the big yeah. touchdown. Yeah, James right. Harrison had the 99-yard yep. pick yep. six, mm-hmm.
1: and yeah. yeah. So, all right. Like you said, two of those teams that have never played in the Super Bowl are from the AFC South, and we talked with all the voices inside the division this week, and, and fellas, the consensus is the Jacksonville Jaguars are here to stay. They, they seem to have the most buzz and the most promising roster right now with all the teams inside the division everybody else sort of having these big off-season questions, including the Colts. So it appears like the Jacksonville Jaguars, when you talk to a lot of people here at the Combine, JJ, have the most stability at the moment, which is crazy to say because a year ago, sitting right here in this space, they were the Jacksonville Jaguars as we knew them to be, but no longer here.
2: Yeah, I, I stepped into Trent Baalke's press conference here, their general manager, and what he said in that was that, Previously, they've had to play in the deep end of the free agency pool because they've had money and they've had roster needs. But now they're into that phase of roster development where it is about draft and develop Mm -hmm. and accentuating the roster with young players who are ascending. And that is that is a place if they can continue to do that, they're going to continue to be the team to beat in this division, not just in 2023, but might be for a little while longer with Trevor Lawrence going into his third year. They got some other young pieces on that roster. Uh, Yeah. And you're right, Mayteh, everyone you talk to around here, it, it is the Jaguars and a large gap between everyone else in the division right now. But that's one of the things that I like. It can close you, fast. You can close. I mean, as we talked about.
3: The first, baby. Jacksonville was right here last year. Mm-hmm. And you look at the other three teams, There's a, there's a toss-up. I mean. Who's to say that you can't have a really good offseason and climb right back into yep, things? Yep. So it can happen quick in the yep. NFL.
1: There you go. That's the Forum Credit Union question of the week. Visit the Forum Credit Union fan forum section of Colts.com. There you can interact with other fans online and post a topic and participate in a lot of discussions regarding the Colts. Forum Credit Union helping members live their financial dreams. Last words always brought to you by Meyer as well, the official super center of the Colts and proud sponsor of hundreds of local sports teams from across the Midwest. Let's talk about the NFL big story. I don't know if it's the biggest story here at the Combine, but I like it, so I'm making it the big story because it does pertain to the Colts because it does surround Shane Steichen a little bit. The NFL Competition Committee, they always meet in Indy during the Combine week, and they're considering outlawing the quarterback sneak play where the offensive linemen and the running backs behind the quarterback, in this case Jalen Hurts, Shane Steichen kind of made it famous last year, uh, push the quarterback up the field on that quarterback sneak play. What's it called? What's it being referred to? I heard it
2: referred to by Kaylin Kaler of The Athletic who's done a lot of really interesting reporting on this. (laughs) She called it the two-cheek sneak. I like it. I like it.
1: That's (laughs) a a lot better than the bush push back in the day.
2: Right? (laughs) Well, the bush push was illegal. This isn't isn't, uh, illegal. This is currently legal. We'll see how long that lasts.
1: This is in the, well, that's the debate here. So Shane Steichen and Nick Sirianni, they used it to their advantage a ton last year. Jalen Hurts ran the ball 43 times in third and one fourth and one situations and converted first downs on those plays on 37 of those situations including eight <laughs> touchdowns <Man>. they <laughs> ran the play five times in the super bowl converted all five including the game tying touchdown there in the fourth quarter we all remember that but it's been legal since 2005 jj should the play be taken out of the nfl
2: absolutely not Shane Steichen's the head coach of the Colts now, so <laughs> absolutely not.
1: Uh, but honestly, I would say that if he was still the offensive coordinator in Philly.
2: Listen, listen, the NFL, there are certain things that happen in the NFL that, you know, it's, it's the brand new shiny thing. And then defenses learn to adjust. So how, how are defenses going to adjust to this if it's if it remains legal? How, what's the adjustment to the adjustment? Is it running pitch plays more often Out, off of the, the two-cheek sneak? Uh, <laughs> I, I like it. I can't Honestly, this adds like a little level of strategy if to the this wasn't a football
1: show, you might, you might confuse that with something. Uh, you might, yeah. Uh,
2: I, I like it. I like it. Keep it. Keep it. And, yeah, not just because Shane Steichen is the Colts head coach, but mostly because Shane Steichen is the Colts head coach. You no,
3: keeping it in? I'm keeping it in. Um, I do agree. I mean, I understand it's all about safety. And it's essentially like a rugby scrum, and that's it can be dangerous. I get that, but it's one of those things that you got to tip your cap. Like, mm-hmm. I, we saw it when Philadelphia was here. Everybody in the building knows the play, yeah. everybody knows what's going to happen, and you're successful on it. So, especially knowing that Shane Steichen's under our
1: sidelines now, I'm all for it for sure. Here's the thing even if it does get taken out of the game, I hope Shane Steichen's philosophy on third and short and fourth and short remains the same because football is not a hard game. I think Mm -hmm. oftentimes Mm -hmm. we overcomplicate football, and I understand you can run play action off of it and, and, and scheme and take advantage because you show it on tape because you do it so often. So there's that element of it too. But I think just big picture, one of my biggest football pet peeves is third and short, fourth and short, and you line up in shotgun. Because yeah. you're not trying to get one yard or two feet now or inches and some now you gotta get six yards. Six. Yeah. Right? Don't overcomplicate the game. It's why, why line up under center, turn handoff to a running back when the entire defensive line is is submarining the offensive line, trying to create a pile, taking away those running alleys. So regardless of what happens with this, I hope Shane Steichen continues to just oversimplify the game. Because it's not that hard. The probability of getting one yard or one foot with a quarterback sneak is really high, so we'll see how that translates here with the Colts.
3: And that's one thing I want to talk about with Shane Steichen. He took something and said, we can take this and run with it, so I like that mentality of his saying, you know what, if it's in if it's in the framework of the rules, we're gonna do it. Right. So he I have a feeling that let's say this rule gets changed, he's gonna go, okay, if that's what we can't
2: do, but this is what we can do, let's emphasize this and do that. I right. love it because it's a very creative way of getting yardage that's incredibly simple. Yes, you said, I love, it. love that. Do
1: not overcomplicate the game. It's always good to end the conversation on radio row with a topic that ends in cheek. Okay. <laughs> so anytime we can do that, I feel like we had a successful week. Here. J.J. Stangevitz, Casey Valier, J.J., what are you doing this weekend, man? Celebrating the fact that you don't have to come here on Radio Row anymore, I suppose. He,
2: uh, no, I'm not celebrating that because I love this week. I love getting to talk to so many people well your, around your, the league. Your turkey
1: sandwich days are over. Yeah, I mean, that'll be nice. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'm looking forward to eating a better <laughs> lunch. But
2: I mean, Actually, no, I should say the lunch here has been fantastic yeah. compared to previous it years. They've stepped really up. stepped up the game. Yeah. No, this weekend I'm uh, still going to write an article on Colts.com I had a chance to catch up with Jalen Wayne. You might recognize that last name. He's a wide receiver from South Alabama who is Reggie Wayne's cousin. Okay. Calls him uncle because Reggie's, quote, a lot older than I am. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. And you he wanted, he wanted to make sure that made it into the story. Fantastic. Uh, and, yeah, just about learning from, you know, wide a rece- young wide receiver learning from Reggie Wayne about how to go about this process. Little details in his game. I thought it was really interesting. Um, you know, seems like a really good kid. Looking forward to seeing what his professional journey is. Uh, becomes, uh, and, and the hand that Reggie Wayne has had in it already.
1: Fantastic. Check that out on Colts.com later on this weekend. That's J.J. Stangevitz. Case, what are you getting into? It's my wife's
3: birthday on Sunday, so oh. it's kind of her weekend, so oh. Oh. whatever she decides to do, Facebook that's Marketplace,
1: gonna then. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's going to be awesome.
3: Make, Facebook
1: Marketplace some, it is. Make some extra dough so you can take her out to dinner. You can you can sell your fridge that's broken. Exactly. You just don't tell anybody. <laughs> Fantastic. Guys, I really enjoyed it. Great job all week long with the podcasts and the interviews and all the insiders we had here on Radio Row. Again, check those out on uh, the Colts Audio Network feed, wherever you get your podcasts and, of course, on Colts.com as well. For JJ, Casey, I'm Matt Taylor. Thanks for listening. This is The Last Word, the off-season radio home of the Indianapolis Colts. We'll do it again next Friday as we get in The Last Word here in the home of the Colts, 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan, have a great weekend.